I'm Bob Main, and welcome to another episode of today's Survival Show, where it's my goal to help you do what you can with what you have wherever you are. This is a no-nonsense, kind of a just a basic common sense prepping show. I don't go tin foil hat on you. I keep this rooted in common sense, keep it practical, because that's my nature and that's just kind of who I am, a practical guy. Well, if you've been following my show the past three plus years that I've been doing it, I've made references in the past about building what I call a prepper team or a network, a network of people that are like-minded folks. And that's what Glenn Tate and I are going to talk about. Glenn Tate is my guest again for this episode. He's the author of the book, 299 Days. He's been on this show before. His book is just absolutely popular right now. I would strongly suggest that you get a copy of it. You can get it off of my website. There's a recommended books page. You can buy it through Amazon in electronic format or in paperback. My wife, went; she read through two of his books in one day. <laughs> so she's, uh, she's really enjoying it. Again, you can go to the recommended books page on my website, buy it through Amazon, through my website. I'll get some credit. You'll help support the show, and I'd very much appreciate that. It's a common sense book. It's basically Glenn's story. Well, I asked him to come on and talk about some stuff that's not really covered much in the book, and that is how to build together a team, how to build together a like-minded team of people, people who believe in survival, people who believe in common sense preparedness. You're going to need them if the stink hits the fan. And we talk about specifically how to build a local network of people. So without any wasted time... Let me just go ahead and take a quick break here, just a brief sound effect or something, and Glenn Tate, the author of 299 Days, will join me. Well, joining me again on the show is Glenn Tate, the author of the book 299 Days. Glenn, welcome back. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me back, I should say. Well, hey, you know, I wouldn't have you back if it wasn't a popular message that you have out there, and people are warming up to it. So good job. Thank you. Yeah, your book sales are seem to be going great, and that's good. And, you know, I want to say to everybody who is listening, for those of you who have gone to the website to get to my website, to get Glenn's book, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And I do, too. Thank you very much. It's fantastic with the affiliate program. It's, it's good for Bob, and, you know, it sells some books, too, and that's, and that's great. So everybody wins. Yeah, he's talking about the Amazon affiliate program, which we'll get into that later. But, you know, your message seems to, to be resonating, and I wanted to bring you back on because you sent me a pretty interesting outline here of a, of a really cool topic, and that's how to form a team. And I, I imagine what you're talking about here is how to form a prepper team, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And this is a question uh, everybody asks me. It's probably the most common question I'm asked because in the book um, I talk about, it and it's it's all real too. That's the amazing thing. Uh, this this group of guys that uh, I've I've come to be a part of um, called the team, and that's a name we made up. I mean, it's not special or anything. It's a self given name. And so people say, how do you get a team together um, to to jointly prep and go out and do that stuff. And so I thought it would be a terrific topic to talk about because um, a lot of people would like to have a team and uh, there's there's no real resource out there to, to get some guidelines about how to do it. 
Well, this is the perfect topic. I've actually talked about this a couple of times on today's survival show. I've not talked about it at all on the Handgun World podcast, but I have not gotten into the depth that your outline gets into, so I'm real excited about it. So everyone asks you the question. That's kind of the way your your outline starts. And, and the first thing you've got on here is what is a team? So talk to us, talk to us about that. What's a team? Yeah, and there are individual preppers out there, and that's a good thing. That's where you need to start as an individual. But a team is a multi-person prepping group. And um, as an individual, I have two rules uh, that I will not deviate from. And one is that I will not go into debt, and the other is that I will not break the law to prep. Well, these two hallmarks um, also apply to prepping as a team. So it's getting a group of people together and not going into debt and not breaking the law and jointly prepping. Well, those are two good rules. I agree. (laughs) All right. So um, talk about your situation. Yeah, well, my situation, um, I'm, a, I'm a suburban guy, white-collar guy. I live in western Washington state, um, which is an extremely left-wing part of the country. So some of what I'm going to talk about may not apply everywhere. And by that I mean, in my neck of the woods, it's extremely unpopular. Um, it's pretty much a taboo to be a prepper um, because people just don't think that way politically. You're in Texas. I think that um, it would be much more acceptable. It would be something you would hear in social settings. People might talk about prepping, um, and they might in other parts of the country, but but here it's not. So you have to be kind of secretive. Um, you mean the so, government? The government doesn't take care of you up there like they should. <laughs> oh, they think they do, and <laughs> just about everybody in my town, which is the state capital, works for government, and uh, they they think very highly and mightily. Um, of themselves and the government taking care of everything. So they don't like this crazy prepper talk. I think it's a little threatening to them, and it it shouldn't be um, because we're not threatening people. Well, we are fringe dwellers. You didn't know that? (laughs) (laughs) Apparently so. I mean, apparently so. So uh, another way of describing what a team is is for me to give you uh, an example um, of of my team. And and this is all straight from the book. Um, There's me. I'm this as I say, white-collar guy, um, normal job and uh, all of that, um, uh, relatively new to prepping. I mean, I've been doing it about four years, but when I started, I was I was brand new. I'm not, you know, some ex-Special Forces guy or some kind of stereotypical thing that, you know, everybody thinks that preppers have to be. That's, that's the message here. Anybody can do this. I'm telling you, if I can do this, anyone can do this. Yeah, same here. <laughs> Another guy... Um, is uh, he's in the book? He's, his name is Pow. That's not his real name. Um, he's a twenty-seven-year-old uh, Korean insurance salesman. I want people to get in their mind's eye a picture of a twenty-seven-year-old Korean insurance salesman, <laughs> and that and he's six foot tall, and uh, he looks mean as can be. He's tough as can be. He's muscular, and he has an absolute heart of gold, and is a complete marshmallow uh, when you get to know him. So um, that's that's one of the guys. Another guy, uh, Scotty, um, EMT, works in the medical field, um, amazing, amazing gun guy. guy named Bobby, uh, who has a white-collar job and uh, is an armorer, kind of nice. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, and then uh, Wes, um, who works in a in a rental uh, store, um, you know, uh, equipment servicing and all that. Originally from North Carolina, and uh, kind of a good old boy. So there you have 
there you have you know the the kind of guys that ended up being on my team. Um, now let me stop you there. For I want to ask you a question. When you say they're on your team, are they on your team locally or internet or a combination of both? Um, yeah, locally. Locally. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's one thing. I don't know that that folks could be scattered um, and and this to to go too well. I mean, we. Yeah. Uh, yeah you're right. Um, you know, for example, I, I needed some advice on a on a particular purchase yesterday of some prepping stuff, and one of the guys dropped what he was doing, came out, helped me, you know, that kind of thing. So it's an in person, in town kind of thing. Okay, so you gave some examples of your team, and that's so there's five of you. Yeah, yeah, and um, let me see, let me count that up right. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> now that's a that's a decent number. Um, um, and I think it works well. It's a rather small group. Um, groups could be larger or smaller, um, and that's okay. And, you know, teams can be different than mine. I, this is just guideline stuff that worked well for me. Uh, there's no magic formula out there, and everyone is going to have a different situation. And so, you know, don't take anything I'm saying as any sort of, you know, rule or requirement or anything like that. I mean, teams could be... Um, just a neighborhood group, sort of a neighborhood patrol. You get together with people around you and you say, hey, if bad stuff happens, let's take care of each other. And then you grow and have some stronger bonds. A team, in my view, is a stronger bond set than simply, you know, people in your neighborhood. I mean, they can be people in your neighborhood, but a team is, is, as I say, a stronger bond than that. Um, A team could be you know your neighbors. If you have a bug out location, mm-hmm. um, out at a bug out location, um, that's what it could be. Uh, it could be, I mean, it could be a knitting group. I mean, for goodness sakes, uh, I mean, it could be just about anything. Um, so yeah, it can be. It can it can look different, but the the main thing is the bond, and we'll talk about that in a moment. I guess I need to hit up the people in my knitting group then. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just threw that out. <laughs> <laughs> and I just tried to, you know, make an attempt at humor. I don't know if it worked, but anyway. So, <laughs> so you say that one of the things that you need to do is drop your preconceived notion of what a relationship is. I, I like that. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, and I'll t- I'll just talk about me because that's the only person I really know. Um, in my world, other than the team, relationships, um, there are a couple categories. One would be my wife and kids and you know, this isn't one of those, you know, a team isn't, you know, wife and kids kind of thing. Um, but other relationships I have, um, you know, business associates, um, people I work with, um, I don't personally golf, but I think the term golfing buddies would be a way of describing a typical relationship that guys have. And by the way, I'm going to speak about men here. Um, women could certainly do this. My experience has always been with guys. So I'm going to talk about guys, but I'm not excluding women. Sure. So, this, this team thing is not your golfing buddies um, because your golfing buddies are a little bit different than what I think a team is. The team will do anything for each other, and that's an extremely unusual relationship. Now, perhaps a marriage or something like that is a relationship where people will do anything. I'm sure you know parent and child is certainly a relationship where people will do anything mm-hmm. um, for the other one. And so... That's what I'm talking about. Um, you know, another thing that that is unusual about this relationship and does not apply to golfing buddies um, is that um, you're you're willing to die. Uh, wow. And okay. Have them die for you. Now, this has not been tested. I need to be very honest because nothing bad has happened, and uh, for all I know, 
either I run away like a coward or my teammates do, and I guess that's possible. I hope it doesn't happen. Well, of course, I hope I'm never put in a position like that. But when you have a bond with, with guys and you can sense it, it's not talk because we don't talk about this. We've talked about it once and we don't sit around and, you know, act like tough guys and everything and, um, and talk about this. But when you get down to, uh, I think for a team to really work, you need to have a relationship where people, um, are prepared to, to die for each other and for the extended families of the, of the team members, by the way, this isn't just, you know, five guys out there. This is five guys and, and five sets of, you know, kids, five sets of families associated with it. Yeah. And and even some parents too, um, in some of the cases. Um, so in, in a sense, now I think everyone's going to get a good laugh out of this and, and, and that's okay. So everybody get ready for a good laugh. Um, the best word I can use to describe the bonds uh, of a team would be love. Now everyone can go ahead and laugh, put you guys in love, you know, insert jokes here, right? But it's the, it, I think about my wife and how I love her and would do anything for her and my children and how I love them and would do anything for them and vice versa. That's the kind of relationship I'm talking about. So this is not a golfing buddy situation. Right, right. This is where it would, this is where there's definitely a genuine amount of caring there, and there has to be. And we'll talk about how you get there and how long it takes. Ah, okay, good, good. All right. So, what does this mean? Where it says uh, under the radar or out in the open? Yeah. Well, you you have to decide if if you're going to be out there looking for people to be on a team and, and people listening might already in their mind have ideas of people who could be on their team, but, um, but they're probably going to be out looking for others. So are you going to be open about the fact that you're prepping and looking for teammates? Um, or are you going to do it under the radar? This is one of the things that's going to vary by region. Um, because if prepping is accepted, I mean, if you live in Utah, for example, prepping is very, very accepted and it's going to be much easier to feel people out, and it's going to make this whole process a lot easier. Um, one thing to keep in mind, even if you're in a part of the country where prepping is accepted or you, you, you are in circles of people in which prepping is accepted, understand that you're probably scaring people a little bit. Not everybody by any means, but there are some out there that you might be scaring. Now they might nod and they might even say, boy, that sounds interesting, but I hate to say this, but be cautious. Some percentage of people you talk to about this will think you're insane. Of course, yes. Uh, and that's that's kind of a shame, but you're right. Yeah, and so you need to take that in consideration because if you say, oh my goodness, I need to go out and get a team and you yeah, I'm, I'm make something up here, you put something up on the bulletin board at work and say, uh, now recruiting uh, prepper team uh, must uh, have knowledge of firearms. Uh, meet me in the break room uh, at lunch. That's <laughs> probably a terrible approach. So, um, you know, put some some more thought into that. And it, an example of what I'm talking about. And again, here in a in a leftist area, um, uh, a friend of mine uh, collects um, kind of collector shotguns, old kind of shotguns, um, very pretty ones. And he uh, he had one sent to him, and uh, he works in a in a state office building, and um, it was about six or seven at night, and he took his his shotgun that was um, shipped to him by an FFL, by the way, or mm-hmm. he is an FFL, anyway, and he he had it out, and uh, he was looking at. It. He went to the restroom, and in the time that he was gone, he came back, and one of the cleaning ladies came in, and saw a shotgun 
and, and went crazy and called the state police, and the state police came rushing in. Of course, the state police said, that's no problem. I mean, you know, they were kind of interested in the make and model of the gun. They were very cool about it. But there's a hysteria and out there and a scariness, and you might run into people who are like that cleaning lady who just, you know, don't really have a good sense of what's going on. So that's why I say uh, you might be scaring people. Well, that's true. And unfortunately, like I said, that's an unfortunate case because some people just don't get it. But I think the people need to kind of expect that, expect that some are going to get scared and just learn to deal with it, right? Yep, yep. You have to factor it in. And that's why you have to think long and hard about who you talk to about this. And don't give up, though. Exactly. And, and work on them and spend some time, which we'll be talking about in a moment. Okay. All right, good. So speaking of what is coming up here in the conversation, activities. Yes. Um, making, making team activities a priority. What does that mean? Well, you know, this team is a pretty serious thing. We're talking about a very, very serious topic. And team activities, and we'll talk about what those are in a moment, but time with the team, and it's not all shooting and stuff like that. I mean, it's social stuff. It's, it's like... When I needed my buddy to help me yesterday, he dropped what he was doing and came over and helped me. So, and it's 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 helping the wives and girlfriends and the kids of the people on the team. It's it's doing all that stuff. So, making time for that is a big big priority, and you have to make that commitment um, because if you don't make that commitment, this this thing isn't going to uh, work very well. And you know, guys often have competing demands on their time. Um, I put in roughly 13 hour days yeah uh, and by the way i'm you know um i'm more well i have a book out as you know and you know that takes a lot of time i, I get the honor and privilege of being on podcasts like yours and so i mean i'm, I'm a busy guy yeah uh, with all these competing demands um for your time you, you still need to make the team a priority an example of this is one of the guys on the team um has started a college program and has been working really hard on on a piece of his college recently. So for the past couple months, because of, I don't know, it's a quarter or semester, whatever it is right now, he's been a little scarce. Now, we all give him breaks and everything, and and he's a long-term member of the team and everything, but if you had that sort of demand on your time going on all of the time, um, it wouldn't wouldn't work very well. Well, there is this thing called life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you need to keep track of that i mean we are you know of course living and living our lives and everything and and this team thing is is one aspect of life and and not the whole thing and so activities an important thing is to have regular activities and i don't mean unless you want to but at least my approach is not to have you know i don't know you send out a meeting request on outlook and everybody accepts the meeting request and on this day and this time we're going to have team time i mean i don't think it can be that structured um, um, but I mean, social stuff is really, really important. Having dinner together, yeah. uh, have reloading night, um, one night a week, um, we get together and we reload, we hang out, we, we have dinners, people bring stuff, you know, somebody brings some chicken, somebody brings some whatever, and we cook food and we hang out, we have, we have barbecues and we've also, um, done a week long, um, camping things and fishing things, um, I haven't personally been able to participate in those. I got one night of, of one of those. But, I mean, those sort of just purely fun things because you don't really 
get to know people and bond to the level that I think a team needs to bond to um, unless you have plenty of social time. And by the way, when we're having dinner and barbecuing and stuff, we are not talking about the world ending. I mean, it comes up on occasion, but I mean, it's, I don't know, a half a percent of the time what we talk about. Yeah, um, it's a real so, social activity. Yeah, and another another uh, regular activity that I would suggest very strongly would be shooting. Um, I think shooting together, I mean, shooting on your own is always good for all the reasons you talk about in, in, in other things, but shooting together once a month would be, I think, maybe a minimum, um, is, is really, really important because there's, there's a different quality of time when you're shooting together and particularly and when you're being safe and you're doing what you need to do. When you're doing some dynamic things, you're, doing, you're around these guys that you trust and people are shooting near you um, and all these other things. Obviously, everything's safe, but you know what I mean. It's a... It's a <laughs> It's a bonding experience. Um, oh, absolutely! It's a it's a huge bonding experience. You know, as a matter of fact, um, Ben Branham, my my uh, training partner, we just uh, discussed the other day. We're going to start holding range parties where we're going to uh, invite the people who have come through our classes or the members who are on our membership program to come meet us at the range and just kind of have a party on the shooting range. See, that's perfect, and it's yeah. per- perfect stuff. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly what I'm talking. Good, good. Okay. So having regular activities, it gets the team together. You don't, it's not a business meeting. You don't sit together and talk about prepping. You just socialize. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And then your next item on here is commitment, a time commitment. One thing I like is, and I kind of, I kind of got ahead of it a little bit, You've, you put on here, don't expect full-time participation uh, and life gets in the way. And that's one thing. You just, you just have to realize that you're an amateur i'm an amateur i don't i don't prep for a living i don't know anybody that does but um we're all doing this part-time in between jobs and in my case with the book you know i kind of have two jobs and i love both my jobs by the way i'm not complaining so i have a family um and and in fact you know we're going to go decorate a christmas tree when i'm done talking to you so i mean i i fully um i i love all the different parts of my life but the team is one part of my life. So here I've just been saying this is a bond. You need to be ready to die for each other. And now I'm saying, and take some time off and don't take it too seriously. I know that sounds contradictory, but it is exactly what I'm saying. Don't expect full-time participation from guys because you're just going to be disappointed. Um, you know, our member of the team who's doing some important college stuff right now, um, how wrong would it be for us to say, Oh, what you're going to college? Um, you're going to get a better job and do do this kind of job you've always wanted to do. Hey, <laughs> you know you need to come shooting with us. Hey, <laughs> you're a schmuck. You're trying to achieve your goal. Shame on you, right? Because <laughs> we're shooting right today, so you know you just and so you, you can't expect full time stuff because life does indeed get in the way. Another item when it comes to commitment is money. Um, now this is going to sound kind of weird, but um, Guys need to be able to to do this this prepping stuff and these team activities. This does not mean going into debt. As as I mentioned, we have a no debt policy. Um, but you know, there's there's some gear um, and some ammo. By the way, we are not you know gear fanatics, and this isn't like some dress up thing where every six months we have the new latest and greatest X Y Z, and and this whole group is just to like show off our stuff uh, to each other. But you know, 
there is gear and ammo money. Then there's also costs to this, and it's one of the best ways to spend your money, in my opinion. You know, the dinners, we go, we travel. I mean, when we go, you know, camping, we drive a couple hundred miles, and and there's those sorts of costs. So um, guys need to be able to, you know, pay for this. Um, we, we float guys when when they're low on money, um, it, it happens to all of us, um, you know, whether it's, it's purely economic, which is certainly part of it. Sure. The other, the other thing is, you know, some of us, I guess I'm actually the worst offender in this category, have to, um, launder money past our wives. Right. And sometimes I might actually have money, but, um, none available because I, I, you know, the, the expense checks and the, all that other stuff that I've mentioned in the past as a way to pay for this without, you know, the prying eyes of your wife. Here I've gone and told everybody I love my wife and would die for her, and now I'm telling about how I'm deceiving her. So a little bit contradictory, but it's reality. Yeah, well, okay, yeah, I'm with you on that. We, we kind of float guys when they're a little bit low, but if, if there were a guy who was a constant floater who just never, ever had any money and we were all chipping in for the guy, um, that, that would get to be a problem. Now, the exception to that would be if, if there was somebody in the group who just had amazing skills or perhaps um, unbelievably important gear, um, that might be, you know, a pass that a guy gets, um, and and that's okay. So it's not some accounting thing where, you know, there's like, you know, I don't know, a spreadsheet or something about what you've put into it, but just generally you need to have guys who are in a, a place in their life where they have the time do this stuff or you're going to be disappointed well that's true you know it's it's not about what or who you pick but what stage of life that they're in sometimes yep exactly right Which and whether they're really prepared to be part of the team or not right exactly you know if you're 17 years old no disrespect to 17 year olds i was kind of a mess of a 17 year old so you know <laughs> so but, was i you know um i don't i don't think you're ready to be doing this kind of thing i mean you should I mean, there are going to be exceptions to that, but um, I know I'm in I'm in my mid 40s. Um, the other guys on the team um, are in their uh, mid to late 20s, by the way, which is an interesting side dynamic. I must note, um, these guys are in great shape, and it forces me to stay in great shape because they'll tease me about being the old guy, and so um, you know that's nice too. But I mean, guys that 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 are in you know an age where they are are mature enough to make good decisions. And um, can do some of this is is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's good because I was kind of wondering, you know, who do you pick? That's you kind of gave a pretty good summary there of of who you pick. Well, n- now the next thing you talk about is just doing it. Now, what do you mean when you say there's no substitute for doing things? Well, you know the the Nike slogan "Just Do It" is is a fantastic motto because. There is no substitute for doing things. Take uh, shooting, for example. Mm-hmm. You can read all about it, and you can listen to a lot of podcasts, and I, I encourage you to do both out there. Um, but there is no substitute for actually shooting. You talk about a 1,000-round trigger job. What a great example of just doing it. Exactly. Um, so you need to actually do things, um, number one, to become proficient at it, but number two, to be able to find where some of your weaknesses are, where you need to, to learn more. You might find some weaknesses in your gear and all that kind of thing. You know, you can't read about everything on the Internet. The Internet's amazing, but it is no substitute for doing things. So I think that um, guys on a team should should shoot, uh, should hunt, 
should fish. By the way, that's not possible for everybody to do. I understand that. These are all sort of great things to do. Um, goals. I mean, you should you should camp. I think um, you should build things. And I'm not just talking like woodworking. I mean, you know, we we have a metal shop for goodness sakes. We make stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I don't make stuff. By the way, that's one of the weaknesses. I I do not add any mechanical skills to the team but um some of the other guys do and um i think you should go and and you can do this individually but preferably as a team you know seal up some food do some food preps um and go and take some classes on things um absolutely get out and do things um if if you spend um most of your time most of your leisure time indoors um i think that's that's not helping too much. You need to, to just do it. Well, you need to get out there and experience. Like you said, there's no better teacher than experience. You know, you can't, like you said, you can't watch enough videos, listen to enough pod- podcasts, or even read enough books. You just, most of us learn better by doing. So since we're talking about doing some of the things, some of the specific things that you say to do, I like what you've got on this list here. First aid training, volunteer firefighter, ham radio, armor course. Is that what some of your team members do? Yeah. Um, um, or what you do, do you guys do that together? Um, no, uh, an individual... Um, uh, is a Glock armorer, and we all we all run Glocks. Um, and this is not—it's <laughs> not a Glock commercial. <laughs> commercial. Um, I can talk about why we do that uh, when the context comes up. But um, uh, yeah, Glock armorer, and then um, two of the other guys are not formally trained um, uh, armorers, but um, are absolute AR mechanical whizzes. And cool. you know, one of them in particular—that's actually how I met him. I hung out at a gun store exactly as described, uh, in the book, by the way. And, um, he, he hung out at the gun store too and, uh, made ARs. Um, we, we, we got parts and the guys who ran the store showed us how to do it. They got free labor out of it. And we put ARs together. Um, I used to do it. I'd come in during my white collar job at lunch. I'd come in in a suit and tie. I go back to the, to the machine shop or the shop where we made these things and i'd flip my tie over my shoulder which looked kind of funny <laughs> and I'd literally roll up my sleeves and um i'd put some bolts together um do that kind of stuff and uh, learned all about ars and so um that's good stuff but yeah first aid training it can be simple red cross basic first aid courses which is a good thing to do i'm a I, boy, I wish I had the time to do this. And if I ever get a retire or something, this is something I'm going to do. I'm a big fan of volunteer firefighting programs. Yeah, so um, am I. They teach you so much good stuff. You do good things for the community. You, you're going to meet some really good people. Um, I mean, if I could, um, boy, I would love to do that. So, I, you know, volunteer firefighting would be a good thing to go out and do ham radio. You know, that test to be a ham radio operator is not difficult. It takes a little studying. I mean, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Um, I, I highly recommend getting a ham radio license. Um, boy, that'd be a one-hour, you know, whole podcast on that. But, you know, that's not the time for that. But that would be a good thing to do. Do you have a ham radio license? I do. You do? Yes. Okay, good. You know, one of these days we need to get together and maybe do a whole, uh, power, uh, a whole podcast on how to do that because uh, I, I'm not – not very well versed on that, so I would love to hear your your uh, experience. You bet. I'll, I'll say this briefly. Um, I am terrible at mechanical things, as I mentioned. When it comes to things like 
jewels of electricity and frequencies and ohms and all this other stuff, I my mind shuts down. I don't even. <laughs> I'm the worst at it, and um, and I managed to to take the test and um, I think I got a 97 percent on the test. I think it takes a 70 or something to pass. And so um, there are tons of resources out there. Um, on the internet for free where you can you can take practice tests and it's it's a lot easier than you think and I'll tell you it opens up an entire world of communications that are going to be very 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 important so highly recommend it you know another specific thing to do and this should this no news to people who listen to this podcast would be IDPA or a similar kind of competitive shooting what a fantastic thing to do for a variety of reasons Um, so that would be a good well, yeah, and you know, it's interesting you mentioned an armorer's course a little bit earlier because I've taken a Glock armorer's course not put on by a Glock representative but put on by John Payne from Suarez International because he's pretty good, and I've taken the Suarez International Glock armorer's course. I'll tell you, it was one of the best... It was one of the best uh, classes that I've ever taken just because it, it gives you a chance to do. I, I've read so much about how to work on Glock pistols and things like that. But until you actually take one of these things apart, and they're not difficult. I mean, I've heard people say they're easy. And I'm kind of like you when it comes to mechanical stuff. I'm mechanically challenged. But even a mechanically challenged guy like me can learn taking a Glock apart because it's so simple. But I would have never learned that if I didn't actually do it. You know, and not only did you learn it by going through this armorer's thing, but you, you now have the confidence. I mean, your Glock goes down, and you're not going to start screaming and crying and running away. I mean, you're, you're going to say, oh, I think I can fix this. I've fixed these in the past. And so that's a key thing, too, is the confidence in addition to the knowledge. Yeah, exactly. So get out there and do it. Now, also, um, on, the, on the outline here, you've got something about a place. A place is very, very critical. Now, it's not absolutely mandatory and and necessary. And by a place, I mean um, a place like a bug-out location. Um, On my team, I happen to have a cabin. It is the cabin described in the book. Um, And so, you know, we have that place. Uh, You need a place to go, um, obviously, to bug out. I mean, that's pretty much bugging out and maintaining yourself there is what all this exercise is about. Um, you also need a place to um, store things, and that's pretty critical. Um, you, you need a place to hang out. Now, you don't have to hang out at a bug-out location. You can do it at anybody's house or apartment or whatever, but um, I, I think you, you need to have a bug-out location, and that really, really helps cement a team. But please don't think that I'm saying that if you don't have a bug-out location, you can't possibly have a team. Um, it kind of reminds me of, of Paul McCartney um, in, in this funny story. Um, when he was, um, I don't know, trying out for the Beatles, um, they they needed a keyboard player. And mm-hmm. Paul McCartney was the guy who, I think his parents made a little bit more money or something than the other guys in the band. And uh, so he, he could afford um, uh, a keyboard a, I don't know, device of some kind. I guess it wasn't a computer back then. And so um, they let him in the band, I think, in large part because he had stuff. Um, he he had the, resources. Right, and maybe that's one of the reasons um, I'm on this team is because this cabin, although in fairness, um, the guys on the team, I didn't tell them about the cabin until about a year into this relationship. So they accepted me even before they knew I had a cabin. By the way, you might be wondering, hey, you trust all these guys and, and you, you trust them with your life. Why did you spend a year before you told them about the cabin? I have a pretty good answer for that. I don't want four 
well-armed young man to know where all my stuff is until <laughs> I know very, very well. <laughs> very good point. <laughs> very good point. Okay, good. <laughs> I like that. Stuff like a bug out location. Um, it could be an RV, by the way. It could be um, a hunting lease kind of place out there in Texas or something. That might be a guy's um, contribution, main contribution to the thing. Right. Um, so yeah, that's that's a good thing to have. And what about store? You have on on your uh, outline here storage space. Yeah, um, whether it's individual guys' houses um, or or a bug out location, or preferably a combination of all those to spread out stuff, you're going to need a place to to store things. For example, reloading night. I think we have four presses, um, <laughs> and um, you got to have storage space for that. Yeah, and then you know primers and, and things. We have a room where, you know, it's pretty much the brass tumbling room. We have a big, I think, 45-gallon garbage can. It's one of the big ones, full of brass. Um, you know, we when we go to the range, we, we all pick up brass um, and, uh, and recycle it. So you need space to do this sort of stuff. I guess if, if you're space-limited, if you're in an urban setting, and let's say you live in an apartment or something, um, you can probably do some of this, but it'd be much easier if you had space, which is to say when you're looking for people to be on a team, you know, maybe, maybe Paul McCartney, you try a Paul McCartney and, and if somebody checks out in other ways, um, the fact that they have a place to do these things might be their, their big contribution to the team. Sure. That could be what they bring to the table. That's what they bring to the team is they've got the location to do all this stuff. Yep. Okay. Pretty cool. Now, Let's talk about some of the kinds of people that you have put together for a team. This is the most important thing, as you can imagine. Um, the stuff is a distant second. Um, one of the things that might be slowing people down and hindering them about getting a team together is they think, well, you know, I don't know any ex-SEALs, right? And, and me, personally, I don't know any ex-seals. I don't know, Bob, how many ex-SEALs do you know? Probably zero. Zero. Okay. Well, you don't need ex-SEALs. Um, that's the thing. These are regular guys doing regular things um, in, a, in a bad time, um, you know, in a collapse situation, and, and they're going to do extraordinarily good things. You don't need to be a special forces guy. Uh, regular people, I think, do just fine on a team. In fact, I think regular people, um, in, in a lot of ways, do better than if you had a bunch of ex-SEALs because the role that a team uh, fulfills in my mind is not a military role. I've been talking a lot about guns. I've been talking a lot about people willing to die for each other. So it'd be very easy to assume I must be talking about a bunch of civilians getting together and coming up with a mini military unit. That is emphatically not what I'm talking about. Um, it is much bigger than that. It is. It is. You know. It is not military stuff. It's. It's chopping wood for neighbors uh, who can't chop it themselves. It's medical stuff. It's feeding yourself. It's feeding others. It's fixing vehicles. I mean, it's all these kinds of things. So please, if anybody thinks I, I have a military concept in mind, I don't. There's one caveat to that that I'll mention in a little while. But um, regular people doing regular things, um, just trying to survive. So it's important to keep that in mind. Here's the other reason that people shouldn't hang this this ex-seal thing out as the ultimate model of what they need to do. And that is any team is better than no team. Any team is better than no team. What do you mean by that? If you're waiting to, to find five seals to form the perfect team, uh, you're never going to find them. And by (laughs) the way, 
five seals don't need you. (laughs) (laughs) So don't get on that because it's not going to happen. And then you're not going to have a team. And then when something bad happens, you're going to be doing this all on your own, which is better than nothing. But, you know, don't don't be too choosy. Um, Regular guys uh, do surprisingly well, especially when they start – uh, improving themselves to try to improve the level of the team. When you see guys start um, taking advanced first aid courses because they want to bring that knowledge to the team, you're going to see people, regular guys, improving themselves. So, you know, so there you go. I think it's better to have solid dudes than the perfect set of occupations because green berets are really hard to find. Um, so, kinds of people I think would be ideal. So, I've gone and said, don't need to get ideal people, but here are some people that would indeed be ideal. Firefighters. Firefighters are fantastic. They have medical training, and they know all kinds of stuff, um, almost mechanical things. I don't mean fixing little teeny detailed things like a car engine. I mean, you know, how walls work and how to cut wires. And, and all. I've, I've been amazed at how much really good knowledge uh, firefighters have. I think <laughs> Another great find would be someone who's in the trades. By that, I mean electrical, plumbing, HVAC, um, and that's air conditioning and heating, um, construction, those sorts of things. That, you know, Somebody who just can fix anything and build anything is, is absolutely critical, and so that's a good thing to have. Anyone, of course, with medical um, background or even, even a hospital background, nurses are absolutely fantastic. Um, you can never have too many nurses, so that's good. I think law enforcement officers are ideal, um, you know, because you're not going to be breaking the law out there, so you don't need to worry about breaking the law in front of a police officer, so that's not a problem. And, and I think that law enforcement similarly are, you know, trained and, and to do these kind of things. Um, I think veterans are good um, in general, um, and that's, that's, that's a no-brainer. Here's another thing that might surprise people, and I've found this to be true, people who work in government, especially if they have positions in which they might know about things before other people do. Oh, good point. Really good to have. If you can have somebody on your team who has a job in which he or she is going to get early warning of some bad stuff, that alone could be way more important than food stored up and water and medical stuff. So look for those kinds of people. Now, you're going to ask this person who might work for the government in a sensitive position, be doing something that you know is kind of extraordinary, and that might be giving you early warning when they're probably not supposed to. So, you know, understand that it's it's a big thing that you're asking them to do, but it could be absolutely critical. Uh, mechanics that kind of goes along with the trade thing. Uh, managers are good, with one caveat: um, if managers are the kind of managers who um, are are bureaucratic and, and manage little details and, and are, are used to everything being exactly like they are at the job that the person is at, that they manage. Um, a traditional work environment is probably not a good manager, but people who get the most out of people, people who organize things and keep things going are very, very helpful. Um, pilots. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. People who own boats, um, are fantastic. So those are some kinds of people um, to look for if you can possibly find them. They're more common than you think. Well, they are. And uh, I would throw one in there and then we'll wrap this up. But doctors. 
Oh, yeah. You know, doctors, I mean, uh, you know, I think a lot of us, it's not that hard to to think about. If you've got a family member who's a doctor, if you've got a friend, I've got a friend, who, a, couple, a couple of friends, actually, who are doctors. I think they're uh, extremely valuable. You bet. So good, good stuff. Well, I appreciate this, Glenn. This was good. You know, you've kind of set the stage here for people to think about putting together a team. You know, again, another topic that's not really talked a lot about in prepping circles or even on gun podcasts and things like that. Because if you think about it, even those of us who are are firearms enthusiasts, we we have to kind of stick together, too. So, and I think a lot of people have always been wondering, how do I put together that team of like-minded people? So, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks, Glenn. Hey, by the way, his book, for those of you who want to get it, um, just go to my website, and there's a link on there called Recommended Books. I appreciate it if you get uh, Glenn's book through Amazon. You can get it in the electronic version, or you can have it like I've got it in the paperback version. Uh, It will help out my show. You'll help support my cause. You'll help out Glenn and uh, help all of us achieve goals. Plus, you're going to get terrific info so just there's a link there you can't miss it if you go to my recommended books page and and you just shoots you straight to amazon feel free to keep shopping on amazon if you want whatever you buy if you click through my link will help me out glenn tate thanks for coming on the show thank you bob have a great day keep prepping on okay i will you too Okay, Glenn Tate, thank you very much. I very much appreciate you donating your time to come on the show once again. I want to tell everybody, Glenn and I did a follow-up to this. I hope you really enjoyed this. I hope you got a lot out of it. The follow-up that we did, the follow-up interview is talking about how to qualify people to make them part of your prepper team, where to find them how to actually set up the prepper team like a business. We kind of went into depth a little bit more on that. And we also discussed some pretty cool things about what he's got coming up in the future. So if you want to learn more about this particular subject, let me invite you to invest in my Survival Champions Club. If you don't want to learn more, if you think you got enough, if you think you've pretty much figured out now how to build a prepper team, that's cool. That's good. That's, you know, my goal of this show is to give you something you can use every episode. I want you to listen to every episode and come away with one or two good ideas. If you come away with one or two good ideas, I hope you'll agree with me that it was well worth your time to listen. The Survival Champions Club is an extra special premium podcast that I put together to help you support my show. I do not have sponsors on this program. I don't have paid sponsors, and I don't run a bunch of commercials, or you don't listen to me yak on and on for several minutes every podcast about the people who are trying to push stuff and sell stuff on my show. I don't believe in that. I I, I give you information. This is a listener-supported show. So... If you want to get my Survival Champions Club podcast, I will email you to a special website where you can download it and you can save it and it's yours to keep forever. It's only $25 and the proceeds help support my show. Just go to my website, www.todayssurvival.com. Click the Champions, the Survival Champions Club link there. Um, you can pay for it through PayPal. 
25 bucks. Once you do that, I will email you instructions. And if you do that, I very much appreciate it. Uh, a lot of really, really good stuff we talked about in that interview. It's just as long as this one. It's about 45 to 50 minutes long, action-packed stuff. Uh, excuse me, value-packed stuff. <laughs> Not really any action. It wasn't a video. It's an audio. But once again, today's survival.com. Click the Survival Champions Club page or over on the right-hand side of the page. You can't miss it. You'll see a link there that says Survival Champions Club and you'll see how to get your electronic copy. By the way, you can download it to your computer. You can save it. You can import it into your iPhone and make it like a podcast. Do whatever you want. It's going to be right there um, for you to keep. Okay, that's it, folks. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I appreciate you listening to yet another episode of today's Survival Show. I'm Bob Main. It's my goal to help you do what you can with what you have wherever you are. Don't forget to join our forum. Send me an email if you join the forum. And let me know that you signed up and give me your username so I know that you're not a spammer. Again, you can find the forum link at todayssurvival.com. Thanks, folks. I'll catch you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.